The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Substack friends, welcome to the Real Pod Extra. Jane is sick today, so you've just got trusty old Alex and Duncan. We've never done a bad one. <laughs> it's um, it's all going to be great. I've just hastily thrown together a document. We've just done a remember when as well. The vibes are right. It's all happening. We're going to talk about Martin Scorsese. <laughs> and we're going to talk about My Kitchen Rules New Zealand. So obviously CTI is over for another year, and TVNZ have provided us with another delicious platter of reality television to get into. Um, so we'll be recapping. Can, can I say one more week. thing yeah. about Celebrity Treasure Island, which I, it kept bugging me over and over? This is a note. If you're a producer of the show or have any relationship to how it's made, you know I love this show. I think it's really important that you heed this. Put, like, you are making a show which is like sports for significant proportions of its runtime. And the thing which is really important to understand about it in a sporting context is that a lot of these things are driven by duration. Like how long someone has been hanging somewhere is really material. Like has it been five minutes or 50 minutes? And every so often you'll flash up a bit of time, but mm. for no, there's no like rigor to it. Give us the time all the time. I always want to know, like, make it a bit more sports-like in terms of its presentation. Change nothing about the show, but just give us a bit more information. I swear to God, it will make the show stickier and better. That's my little sermon. I love that. Two things. One thing I realised that annoyed me (laughs) after the finale was that we didn't get the dig. So much of the the thing about the finale is the doof of the spade on the, you know, on the wood of the chest and having just like, you know, chains and a a little puny lock we couldn't really hear or see. I mean, I'm sure there were reasons for that. I'm sure it was to do with the fact they did it maybe at the top of a mountain. Um, (laughs) But at a point, I want to see people digging, you know. Yeah, Yeah, Um, that's a good point. I also found out... I don't think James said this on the podcast, but I heard from various people now that they shot that final sequence over two days. What the what? So they had gone back to their yurt or wherever overnight. They had to halt for light, and then they came back the next day and picked up with James. It was James's go, and he got it. I mean, I could be, I could be wrong here, but I've heard this from multiple people, including someone who was on the television show. Um, I mean, they, they do that in sports sometimes, you know, like uh, I feel like it's happened in one day international cricket before. It's, um, you know, like that's what, you, you know, if you, if you have to halt, like if, you, if the light becomes so low 
that it's dangerous to continue, sometimes mm. you just got to call it in, uh, in the interest of having a fair contest between these these, these athletes. Mm. So, yeah, that's just – and I, I'm kind of like – I mean, I guess you can't – they can't um, ruin the mystique of television by telling us that, but I, I don't know. It's kind of interests me. I mean, I feel like they could have. I Through think it would have made it even more um, hectic, you yeah. know? So that's the end of CTI. You didn't go to the viewing party. You didn't go to the – the no, I, I had a clash. Um, I didn't go to either the viewing party or the uh, the the launch party, and I feel this great aching sadness in my soul. And the TVNZ just announced their uh, their new season launch, which is one of my favourite events of the year. And this tells you a lot about the the power state of media at the moment. It's a breakfast. It's it's. In fact, it's oh. not even really a breakfast. It's like starts at nine forty-five and ends at midday. So there's no drinks. Continental. No, yeah, well, I guess there'll be a little bit of snacks, but there's no obligation. That's out. That's a, a zone between two meals. I'm like, man, the budget. Because you, we saw you and I went early on to the <laughs> right. to the greatest launch event <laughs> in history at, at the, the Civic. Civic, and it was like Mike Hosking was in the rafters, like the Phantom of the Opera. Sam we all was- had light up Coldplay. Bracelets like a, a, and a drum riser rose through the stage with someone doing like this heroic solo. It was, I swear to God, it it had like sick the Soleil money spending on it, spent on it. That was one of the first times I went to like a thing of any kind, yeah. any event, any launch, and I was like, "Is this just what's been happening? Like, is this just what the world is? And people are doing this all the time?" As it turns out, no, <laughs> it was very well, short lived. <laughs> So grateful to be there for the heyday. Hey, should we do some real news? Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Well, there's been a few a few big stories over the past week. I mean, the biggest one, which you've already done an emergency podcast, fantastic podcast about on the fold, is the shock announcement that the project is being axed at the end of the year. I mean, I don't want you to monopod right now for 20 minutes, but... <laughs> I stand ready. Top line, now, top line thoughts. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, the thing that I didn't do on the podcast, which I sort of regret somewhat, is, is just talk about the the content so much. I was very much about trying to analyse what it means in a media context, and if that's what you're up for, go go, go check it out. But um, but I do think that the the project was like a really great product. Like the 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 goofiness, um, that you know, the project quite regularly, you know, we would have, the, we would we publish a story and they might do a version of it for TV or we, you know, sometimes collaborate on it. Jose Barbosa, beloved longtime spinoff staffer, is now at the project. I feel like there are bonds and and just general kind of vibe connections between mm-hmm. us and the project. And uh, yeah, it's it's a sadness. How, how are you feeling about it all? I mean, I was you're a fan, right? Extremely shocked. Especially because we just had cum boxes. You know, I thought that would have bought them at least two years in terms of, like, <laughs> cut yeah. through. I don't know how economics works. <laughs> but I thought that was massive. Something that I sort of thought about is also, you know, like, 24, 25 people work there. It's also become this strange, like, vehicle, maybe surprising vehicle for, like, a lot of comedians. You know, like, there's that fourth guest slot every night. So there's lots of, like regular comedians that show up, also comedian guests, and also a lot of comedians write for and work on that show. And that's something else to kind of think about. Like, Seven Days has been slashed massively. We don't have Jono and Ben and Funny Girls in that same capacity. Like, I 
was just thinking a little bit about maybe the impact that would have on, you know, some of the people in the comedy community as well who have, who have spent a lot of time on that show. It's a great point. And, you know, it's, it's uh, well, certainly for most of its run was overseen by John Bridges, John Bridges, mm. sorry, comedian, um, and, and it, which is, I think, why it has that sensibility and why he's been very comfortable hiring people who work in that, that sort of news comedy nexus um and that's obviously also helped inform shows like you know patty gower has, has issues I, I think it yeah it's it's a, it's you're right it's it's a it's a big industrial loss and it's a and it's a, a loss as a like a very specific um product unto itself um, I've been working on a thing looking back at like the history of our 7 pm shows, and Stuart Soman Lund brought up in the editorial meeting today something which I had clean forgotten about, which was story. <laughs> Do you remember the story? story? Yeah, I, 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 I talked about the story in, on my podcast. I think <laughs> okay, it didn't like... get the whole way through. To be <laughs> <laughs> no, look, that's fair play. Well, I think story is points to why they bought the project in the first place because mm. story was in many ways, like a hybrid old Campbell Live and the project. You know, it was it was shorter, it was punchier, it had a bit more of a tonal range than, than a Campbell Live. It was Duncan Garner and Heather Duplessis-Allen. Uh, you know, it should have worked, but there's there's something in like, you know, we obviously talk a lot on this show about uh, form, you know, various international formats which they make New Zealand versions of, which you, you tip it more typically see in the reality TV space, but Project's an example as well. And, you know, there's, there's a reason why those things kind of carry you along or if they're not there, if you just try and make them from scratch to make it sort of like that, mm. you, they can often lose you. And that was actually the case with Seven Sharp in the early days. Remember, that was that took a long while to figure out exactly what it was. It, it started with actually Jesse Mulligan on it and right. it just didn't crackle the right way. It's um, crazy that Seven Sharp has had like three, we're on Seven Sharp 3.0 now. <laughs> like we have that initial panel, then we had Hosking and Tony and now we have a, uh, it's just, I don't know, I just feel like the 7pm shows, people don't really think about them until they're gone and then you look back and see what they kind of represented from our time. Do you have any, did you get any further goss about what might be coming or what might be replacing it? Since the I, had, I had a, a little exchange with um someone uh, at three about, you know, because, again, on my podcast, which you probably didn't get up to, I, I conjectured that the the reference to Paddy Gower might actually be, like, if you could get him to do a 7pm show, that feels like that's probably their best option in terms of the sort of star power and the has the internet kind of, um, you know, would, would, would make for great digital stuff. So... And I, the the person didn't sort of outright deny that, so I feel like that maybe suggests that that, that could be something that they're working on. They, it'd be sort of weird if they weren't in a way, um, but but again, that you know, what, whether they can get that across the line and what that means for everyone who's not Paddy Gow, which is the current twenty four people on the project, it's all pretty. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just a bummer, you know. I've got another idea. Come down with me, NZ. <laughs> <laughs> That is actually one of the great tragedies of the Save Campbell Live era. Like, you know, obviously it was sad that they dropped Campbell Live, but... New Zealand was not ready for Come Dine With Me, New Zealand. This is what I was thinking. I mean, we'll talk about my kitchen real soon. <clears throat> but sitting down to watch a cooking show where there's all little, like, dopey, dorky New Zealanders <laughs> together at a table got me thinking hard about Come Dine With Me. And what an incredible... 
undertaking it was. Like they made so many episodes of that. It was so outrageously funny. The casting was so good. And it was just like wrong time, you know, like just the wrong well, it wasn't era. even it wasn't we we like it's interesting to think of whether it was the wrong time because if it wasn't that emotions were so hot out the back of it, could it have worked? You know, that's that's the thing I wonder about. Like, could you get hooked into a week? I think there's there's easily enough New Zealanders that you could uh, could run it forever. I would have thought, and it looks like it's pretty cheap to make. Mm, yeah. And um, it's just it launched with such immense animus because there was that brief period. I think um, was it. There was it didn't launch straight after Save Campbell Live. There was like a month of re- repeats of like, Rest, like, like motorway patrols. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was it was narrated by um, John and Ben, and then they were like, "And now come dine with me," and it just got absolutely slaughtered. I think even Guy Williams, who narrated it, got some blowback for mm-hmm. it. But um, yeah, oh, it just got me thinking. I don't know. I just feel like imagine now, like the little TikTok clips you could get. It would just be different, you know. I just think it would. You know, we've had Gogglebox and things like that. I don't know. Maybe the cultural cringe would just mean people just couldn't handle it five nights a week watching, <laughs> watching New Zealand dogs. Um, other real news. Oh, two two things quickly. If you haven't read the amazing stuff investigation into Noel Edmonds' <laughs> war in his little small town. Please go and read it. I mean, I don't know much about Noel Edmonds. I understand Mr. Blobby to some extent. Um, did I you mean, read I used to watch stories? Noel. I, I, I didn't, but I'm very aware of the context. Nikki was basically live recapping them, howling as, <laughs> as she was reading them. So I, I almost feel like I got them spoiled for me. But I grew up not watching Noel Edmonds. That's what like, buzzes me out. This guy was like one of the biggest stars in England when I was growing up. Like so famous. Mm. Like Noel's house party was was... I don't even know how to explain it. It was just this glue that held the country together. Like everyone was on that show. It was really chaotic. It was such a cool concept. And now he seems to have come to New Zealand and become like a giant turd. Maybe it was, he's probably a giant turd the whole time. But it's just really, really funny to me because I don't think we as a country understand how famous he is. Like, which, no. And the more famous he is, the funnier what he's doing is, you know. So it, it, really, it all just works. There's a great quote from a local, which Matt also read out at the editorial meeting today. You can tell I did a lot of preparation for this pod, um, where a local says, um, no offence to his fame or something, but I don't give a shit about this guy. I just think no offence to his fame is really... Uh, That's us. ...is really, really beautiful. Just one more news story that I love from over the weekend. Tony Street had her 40th birthday party. Huge congratulations to her. Um, and Jason Reeves, it was 90s-themed, and her coast, um, co-star Jason Reeve rocked up dressed as the mask, and I just highly recommend you check it out. <laughs> well, no, but he he came, originally came dressed as the mask and not in green face. Not no, yeah. So that interesting detail showed up in the mask. <laughs> no one recognised him, and then another person dressed as the mask showed up who had the green face paint and took Reeves to the bathroom, greened him up, <laughs> two masks. <laughs> Everyone went so hard on the cozies. I love it when the celebrities hang out together. Like it, when you see like a group of normal people with like a couple of celebrities amongst them, I don't care for it. But mm. when they're all together and there's no normal people, brilliant. It's That's a, how it should be. It's a be. beautiful thing. Laura McGoldrick, fantastic. Um, Julia Roberts, a pretty woman costume. Just, yeah, it reminded me again of Mike Hosking at some function, the Cobb Co. It might have been Tony Street's 30th, actually. 
Well, well, she had a Cobb & Co themed birthday and there's that fantastic photo of Mike Hosking looking miserable holding a Pink Panther drink with a little Cobb & Co crown on. Miserable is too positive. <laughs> like that is the saddest photo. Of, uh, there's, th- there's three really sad photos in New Zealand history. There's David Cunliffe on a log mm-hmm. after the 2014 election. There's Shane Jones on a stage drink about a case of red wine and it's very sad after the 2020 election. And there's Mike Hosking at Cobb Co. And he might be the saddest of them all. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. That's the news. <laughs> Should we get into reality check? <laughs> we, we probably have to eventually. I am disgusted at how much you have copied my husband. <laughs> that sounded like remastered. Like it, it, was, it? it was like the 40th anniversary edition. Paul's they'd, version. <laughs> they've gone back into the studio. <laughs> yeah, Paul's version. I have done just like a little bit of remixing. Of <gasps> oh my God. Like just the, to, the levels just felt really different. To make them a little more balanced. Oh. I, I heard it. I heard it. Tangerine no. vinyl. I got 1989, by the way. This is not. <laughs> we're on a tangent again, but um, I got the tangerine you, you bought, double double vinyl. Uh, I already have it on on vinyl. The old like so scooter, scooter Braun's version. Yeah, I've got Scooter Braun too. Didn't, didn't, didn't hold you back. Nothing <laughs> holds me back. I love to buy a vinyl and then never touch it. <laughs> Put it straight in the cupboard. Okay, My Kitchen Rules New Zealand back for a. Mm, Fifth season. Fifth season. <laughs> Someone's done his research. With a much uh, leaner cast and a brand new judge who I am obsessed with, Colin Fastnage. <laughs> Is what he a brand guy. new judge? He's new for New Zealand. I mean, I saw him, maybe he was here last year to launch this season. but He was. He was he, right. Well, I saw him at the TVNZ launch a year ago. And everything about the the launch was very slick and professional. You know how it goes. And then he, him and Minot were just like having a time. <laughs> they were off script and off message. It was Irish Craig. It was a lot it of was. like jokes about wives and like, you know, stuff like that. It was that. like it was 2006. It was really, <laughs> yeah. really, and it was refreshing. Not, it wasn't in a bad way. I think there were some bad things, but it was like uh, fine, fine. You can tell that he's trying to, like, keep it together, I think, on the show. But then there's, like, little flourishes sometimes. And also just that little earring at the top of his ear is, like, that's the energy. <laughs> that's the energy coming out right there. <laughs> so much. Um, so, yeah, we've got five teams. Because I remember My Kitchen Rules was the first reality show we ever covered with any consistency on the spinoff where no one was watching. And it was purely a volume exercise at that time because there was four episodes a week and we needed to fill the website. <laughs> so in many ways, I have my kitchen rules to thank for a lot of my, um, you know, early training in uh, in writing. But now it's down to two nights a week. But as you learned, feature length, you know, they're not mucking they around. Really, they are really, really long episodes, but it doesn't drag. I don't know. It's a very cozy show. I, I, I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Mm. So the first episode we had uh, Tauranga Besties, Nada and Pops. Great duo to start with. You know, like yeah, this is perfect. what we this is who I want to see on this TV all the time. New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. And honestly, the whole cast is pretty bad. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's I'm, a really I'm, good mix. Um, shall we run through the cast first? Yeah, like, let's just, do just that. Quickly. So there's Nada and Pops who are the besties, sisters from another mister. We love them. 
God, we love them. Um, who's next? Vicky? And Was it Vicky or Nikki and Pascal? Vicky, Vicky and Pascal are, are like from the Hawks Bay and Pascal is cast to be the villain. And at one point in the second episode, you know, that he gets, they, they really get into him. I'm a fan. Like, we need this man on this show. Quite often, the problem with New Zealand reality shows is there is no Pascal. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think we just need to respect how necessary they are to, for, for the TV to be made. Um, we've got Madden Kurt, who, who star in the second episode, also besties from uh, from Northland. That's right. Um Anya and Emily, the besties. That's a lot of besties. <laughs> They're all besties. <laughs> They're not all. Um, and they're coming next week. They're like Russian and maybe Korean? French. French. <clears throat> French and Russian. So everyone's looking for an exciting mix of flavors there. And also a very intriguing pair, um, Julie and Matthew. We're obviously mother and son. They said about 4,000 times. Because <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's not that obvious. Not like, she obvious. looks young and he, he doesn't look that young. It's but not that, they, they could. Uh, they, they look as close in age as Vicky and Pascal, let's put it that way. Um, but I also love them. Um, Matthew in particular, he just really likes food. Like mm. he's just so excited and hungry um, <laughs> and, and just, just a fantastic character. And I feel like you can kind of see moments where he, he's not like a Pascal sympathizer, but he's like getting close, you know, like I think he respects Pascal. <laughs> Well, at the very least, him and Pascal rate the shit out of their own cooking. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the, 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 the makers of this show, the previous format they came up with was uh, My Restaurant Rules, which mm. we have also reviewed on this podcast and adored. Another and great show. Such a great show. And they're, they're really not all that different um, format-wise. But uh, My Restaurant Rules is almost like the pro version of My Kitchen Rules. But the... The dynamic I loved in that show was that often it would be like a mum and their son and the son was the chef and there would just be like the son just once they're in the kitchen together. Like they can be quite nice often when they're eating, but in the kitchen, forget about it. It's really, really tense. Yeah. And there's a few, like I think Vicky and Pascal and, and, and Julia Matthew, we've got a lot of potential for uh, tension to come out in that respect. There's bits where... Um... Julia was just telling Matthew off like, instantly in like the kind of super tease, I think, even. And yeah. we saw Vicky, when Pascal was doing one of his big big Pascal criticisms, um, she said that she was Charlie horsing him under the table to try and get him to shut up. And I was like, that's your husband. <laughs> well, but there's two things, right? One is like my understanding of a Charlie horse is that it's a, it's a knee to the side of the leg. So I don't think she oh. was doing it. I think she was doing horse bites, which are that's, a wholly different childhood assault. That's actually interesting because I Fact was check. raised I was raised with horse bites being that. But Joe says that that's a Charlie horse. What the hell, Joe? So maybe it's a it's like a um a regional, a regional dialect. Thing. Yeah, like crib and batch. <laughs> God, there's so many good story ideas coming out of this podcast. <laughs> They're all These copyright. Are all copyright. The yeah. <laughs> Cuz another story idea I was thinking of is, so My Kitchen Rules NZ, $100,000 prize. Do you think this is the reality show that requires the least effort to get to the $100,000? Like, it oh, wouldn't be the easiest for a novice a good... going from a standing start to win My Kitchen Rules NZ over any other show. I disagree. Like, the, like cooking is really, really hard. But I do <laughs> think if you're a really good cook, you just have to cook a couple times. 
But know? let's say you treated it like, okay, this is my, if I win, this is like, you know, this is my work for the year, maybe <laughs> two, is, maybe I'm three. I'm not going to get on board with this idea. Like, and you, you just dedicate, going. you do the Ottolinghi stuff, you go through, you do some courses, you train for My Kitchen Rules. What do you think everyone else has been doing? They're all really good. No, but they've all got other jobs. I'm saying no. you make this your full-time job uh, no. to prepare for MKR. But versus, let, okay, in this experiment, versus <laughs> X Factor, versus Celebrity Treasure Island, you've got to work on being a celebrity first before you can even yeah, get on the show. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. like, that's a long game. That's at least a few years. The block, forget about it. Not in this climate and not from, you know, not from nothing. But I know, uh, but, but I think like house rules. Like, for example, if you basically, I think more, I'm, not, I'm surprised that more like proper chefs don't sort of, change their name and just go on this and just <laughs> smash or or, go, or like a like a really hardcore chippy go on house rules or the block and just clean up you mm. know like i feel like there's a that, that's that's just waiting to happen that opportunity or maybe it, it does happen we just don't know but in terms of the hours you'd have to put no. in, like the ins- yeah, no, but I think yes. The instant no. restaurant itself, stressful, but that's just a night. That's a shoot day, you know. And then you've got, if you make it through that, I guess you have to go to everyone else's. You just have that. to be really good at cooking. I feel like you're <laughs> underrating how hard it is to be really good at cooking. No, but, but it's not like magic. Like you can learn it. That's what I mean. It's like some people cannot sing, right, and you could never learn how to sing. If you dedicated the time and energy to it, can't you? Learn how to cook really well. But you're implying that everyone else isn't doing that every weekend and every night. Like, these are really serious people. Yeah, but I'm saying if you didn't have any of that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying if you're me, right? (laughs) Maybe I'm just, like, excited Mm -hmm. because after watching MKRNZ, I made gnocchi for the first time from scratch, and it worked out beautifully, and I was, like, blown away. (laughs) Where is my 100K, please? Would you have been, like, perfect 10? (laughs) I mean, my mum said it was a perfect 10, but she eats, like, warm yogurt for <laughs> for Christmas dinner. So who's to say? <laughs> anyway, I, I think I'm on the right side of history here. <laughs> I'm sure you're wrong. <laughs> I think for a normal person of all the reality shows, what do you think is easier to win? I, I think, um, I think like, The Bachelor is easier to win. But you don't get – I'm talking about the month – like, in terms of getting 100 grand – because oh, so the prize, like, I'm t- yeah, you know what I mean? Well, Celebrity Treasure you don't get the prize. Some annoying charity does. True. Um, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think the block is easier. Wow. Because I, I think that those basic skills are more acquirable versus the, like, level of uh, execution you need to win my kitchen rules. I agree. If you already have those skills, which a lot of people do, a lot of like really outstanding amateur chefs, not you, but like mm. other ones in in New Zealand. And I think that they, you know, if they went on a six month like immersion and then let a few, because they get to choose the dishes. It's not like they're surprised. If they went really hard and learned a few like dishes to just like crazy levels of execution, like it's weird to me that um, that some of the like mistakes they made, given that they got to choose what they were making. Mm. But um, yeah, so that's that's my choice. Anyway, like okay, let's we, get into the. Extra so we'll just story. do a, we'll do a whole podcast on this. Is this what we're doing this for the rest of the podcast? To stay on this, hung up on this point forever. <laughs> I is going to be packing down the studio. <laughs> but you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, are we doing a megapod? <laughs> 
Okay, Nada and Pops, Tauranga. What a beautiful, massive house. This is the first thing what? I wrote down. This is the richest thing I've ever seen. What is this house? <laughs> and they just act like it's normal. It's like an estate. Huge the horses. Kitchen, the horses, the outdoor dining. It just like, I wonder if that's why they got chosen first. I don't know. I don't know. But I was like, <coughs> is this, did they, is this their house? You know? well, so I looked into this as well. I'm, I'm shocking myself with the amount of research and the amount of information I had to hand. So apparently it's very rarely is it someone's actual house. Much more often it's a friend's house or a holiday home or something. And I think in the second episode, you know, they open the fridge uh, and it's completely empty and looks brand new. And that yeah. the whole location of uh, Blend, uh, Kurt and... Is it Matt? Kurt yeah. and Matt's restaurant um, is you know, feels very brand new. Whereas this does feel like it's someone's house. So either one of them is mega rich. Uh, God, imagine it's their batch. Like this is that is one of the flashiest houses I've ever seen in New Zealand. Massive. Like it looks like where they shot Bake Off. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> and they've got a pretty fancy menu to match. You know, it's all about a journey from you know through land and sea and New Zealand. And the starter was, I mean. A cacophony of seafood. It was just like... <laughs> yeah, it almost felt a little bit like a buffet where you just kind of grab it. I think it felt like too much. What was it? it was like a prawn, a mussel. It was a prawn, smoky mussels, uh, creamy canna, uh, a little uh, salmon tartare thing wrapped in a... What's it? An, an oyster. <laughs> an oyster. Yeah. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot of seafood. Um, and the judges... I mean, do we want to go dish by dish? How are we supposed to do this? The judges were gaga for the muscles. Yeah. As was everyone at the table. And we think I think Colin said that it was a um his first SBJ, aka Sweet Baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Colin is really great. Um, I mean he's a huge part of the attraction of the show. Yeah. I also love, I forgot, because I haven't watched MKR for a few seasons, how good it is that the judges get served first and they just have to eat and stay like don't cold Steve Austin, not give anything away while everyone else is just sitting there, like, looking at their dinner. It's so <laughs> chilling. And and there's no reason for it, really. And, and then it, it's not like it resolves into anything. It's just, like, it's almost like they're food tasters ahead of the king. And it's like, very well. It's, it's just a great bit. <laughs> but it's almost like, yeah, they should get... Who's lower ranking? It's the guests, right? If you were checking for poison. 100%. The, the, the guests have got... Basically five points to dish out each. The judges have got thirty. It's six times the power of these lowly guests. I mean, that, um, God, the scores—that's fractions, isn't it? I was thinking about yeah. that. I was like, how the hell do they figure that out? That's yeah, impossible. <laughs> it's just a vibe. It's just yeah. a vibe. Let's let, let's 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 bang on through the courses and then talk about the scoring. Maybe. Okay. So they had they had the seafood, you know, every every all of the seafood, and then the main was a big old steak, wasn't it? I mean, this is not how they're framing it. It's like a beautiful aged whatever, but I wrote down a big old steak. It was a big old steak, and they had to cook. They they made it hard on themselves by cooking 10 steaks rather than one big bit of meat and cutting it up into pieces. Uh, and then there was like some kumara, a shroom, um, and that was maybe a bit of jus. A bit of jus. Jus was a bit loose. Was, was, was it uh, how it was described? I missed that. I missed that. <laughs> it was like a loose stool. Um, yeah. And then dessert, they did a, um, what looked like a beautiful steamed pud. 
Yeah, there were rave reviews. It didn't look that great to me, but the way that they, um, the the way that it was reviewed, made it sound like the the, the loveliest sponge. But the creme anglaise, no good, no yeah, good to got, me. As we learned, you know, you overcook it, it turns to scrambled eggs. It looked like it was splitting on the plate. Um, my mum and I were playing Scrabble while we were um, watching MKR, and she. I went out of the room and she said, come back, come back. The dessert has gone to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and then she she didn't play for about 10 minutes because she said, I'm lamenting the Anglaise. <laughs> so my mum got real into it real fast. Um, oh, it's amazing great. how quickly you get invested in what is just like, li- you know, liquids. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is liquids. Pascal did not like the dessert. No, pa- Pascal is good because he's like, when it's, some of these guys are just like picking holes. That, that type can just be slashing holes and everything. But he is, he's basically, you know, if something's great, he, you know, he he's awestruck. If it's bad, he just rips it. You know, that's basically my posture as a critic. So I, I got no issue with that. But people do. Um, I mean, I took umbrage with the way that oh, this might not have been in the first episode, but the collar versus waistcoat um, ongoing issue. <laughs> It was all tucked under. Yeah, the shirt it was. was all tucked under, and then it was just like the waistcoat V. I was like, I thought you were a designer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was problematic. They got seventy out of a hundred. Yeah, and uh, and everyone scored them pretty fair. I think they got three sevens and an eight mm-hmm. from memory, and then uh, the the judges basically like a whole bunch of seven. It, it's a real the the show has got huge seven energy. It's probably realistically a seven out of ten show. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the everyone is just quite nice. Yeah. Um. So so there's a the fact that the first episode <laughs> netted out to seven out of ten across the board is is appropriate. Uh. Next episode we head to Mangafai and it is hosing down. It's flooding. Oh, I know. Like, I wonder giant when this was shot outside their house. And there was a surfboard next to it. I was like, yeah, they asked um, Manu if he'd ever been asked to do a Manu, and he was like pointed at the puddle and thought maybe. I just think that'll be a great bit sometime is to really go for it yeah. into, a, into a puddle. You know, <laughs> feel like you get some views on that. Is this Manu or just anyone? Well, it would be extremely good if it was Manu. Yeah. But um, but anyone could probably pull it off. I, don't, I doubt he'd do it. I think he's. Too I think fancy. honestly, I think Mano is more fun than you reckon. Like in that, there's a great interview that uh, Samuel, our producer, did with the pair, um, which is really Substack, which you would all know about. Um, I have I have read that. Um, did you did you do an edit job on that, Alex? I heard. I did work a little bit a little bit with them on it. Yeah, but very, like, it was very all there. Good job. It was great all format. there. Yeah. Um, they both love McDonald's. And they revealed their orders, uh, and I thought the orders what they were are. obscene. Well, one of them like it's a twenty pack. Twenty of nuggets, nugs. yeah. I think that might have been Manu. That's what I mean. Manu is yeah. crazy. Like twenty nuggets and a um. Hold on, let me just control F nuggets. Um, Manu gets a quarter pounder and twenty chicken nuggets, and Colin orders a quarter pounder and a Big Mac, <laughs> which I actually kind of love because I would rather a double burger than a chip. I'm gone off chips. Yeah, same. Same. I, I, a quarter pounder and a cheeseburger. Outstanding order. 20 nuggets and a quarter pounder. I think you might have a protein overdose on your hands. Yeah. Like that is so much chuck. <laughs> I mean, they're right about the uh, shrinkflation that McDonald's has not been immune to like everyone else. But still, that's a lot. I think, I think Colin's order is defensible. Like, yeah. That, that's, a, that's a totally fine amount of food. You'll be full afterwards, but... 
Yeah, but, I mean a big yeah. yeah, Big Mac and a quarter pounder. That's 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 the like ripe end of ordering two burgers. That's like the most you can probably do, right? Unless yeah. you got one of those like granddaddy four patty bags. But I just <laughs> love that chefs like these fancy chefs. You know, they love takeaways. Yeah. I remember yeah. I interviewed oh back when it was Pete Evans and Bono. I interviewed them and brought them our like worst. Um, meals ever, like our oh. most grotty, disgusting, yeah, I shameful cooks. Um, and I remember even back then, Manu saying that he just like, you know, because chefs, they're so tired, they just eat like grilled cheese at the end of the day or or burgers. Yeah. I mean, he was a bit more into my concept than Pete Evans was at the time. I remember it being quite uncomfortable, but. <laughs> oh, dear. Matt and Kurt, okay. <laughs> Tartartan, high stakes. A French dessert to a French chef, and you've got a French contestant sitting alongside you. Well, and also you're starting off with a bisque, which is a famously difficult French soup. I became so. obsessed with this dish. I feel like I like I do not know what a bisque is, but after their reactions to it, I was just like, if there was a way that you could be watching MKR and getting a little delivery, you know, of what they were eating on screen... I would like that very much. Yeah, that's a good shout. Or maybe it's a, yeah, no, it doesn't really work. Because you do want to be watching it and eating it. You don't want, like, attending it wouldn't be as good. Like, if there was, like, a sort of a rat's table where mm. sort of super fans could pay crazy amounts to, to sort of also dine at Blend. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's their restaurant, by the way, um, to signify the great blend of different cultures that is Aotearoa. Uh, that's but that, everyone's. But, that's everyone's like subheading eh, for their restaurant. <laughs> it really is. It really is. But the uh, that that bisque, like it got perfect tens from the judges. Everyone was wowed by it. That that feels like it'll take some topping for dish of the uh, of the season. Mm, the scampi ravioli and a bisque. Ah, oh. yeah. all good words. Only one of them I sort of understand, <laughs> which is ravioli. <laughs> But it also felt like it was their masterpiece and they became so obsessed with it that they were sort of the rest of the meal was a bit of a, not an afterthought, but they were sort of behind mm. and, uh, you know, like, I thought, yeah, just, just what, nothing was had the level of craft in it that that best did, sadly. Yeah, they did big old venison chunks. <laughs> Probably called yep. something better again for the main, which had two sauces with it, which was controversial at the time. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and like a potato gratin twice baked. They they did a lot of doubling up, and then some seasonal vegetables, which did look a bit sort of afterthoughty. Yeah, um, Pascal said that it was bitterly disappointing and insipid. Yeah, so Pascal basically lit into them. I think he might have used the word disgusting, mm. but he was he did take care when uh, when pressed on it to to point out that this was. Effectively, this was about the expectations created by the perfection of the first dish, of the entree. And I think that's fair enough. And the whole table got into him. It was, yeah. I thought, excessive. And I do worry that, that the fact that they all sort of got amongst him for his, his choices of words means that he might go back into a shell a bit, little bit, even though he doesn't seem like that kind of a guy. We might get a less good TV show as a result, and I don't want that. I was surprised to see everyone pipe up and so early in the season, you know? Like, it's not the New Zealand way. We, we, we swallow that. We do not 
we do not confront. Yeah. That's something we talk about back in the hotel room in loud whispers. <laughs> yeah, but they obviously, I mean, it looks like they're saving Pascal and Vicky till the end while he sort of, you know, throws shade at everybody. And he did this long sort of diatribe just when he had seen the menu about what he thought about the simplicity of it and stuff. And even you could see Manu kind of like oh. <laughs> raising his eyebrows a bit, <laughs> wiping nuggets off his, you know, the side of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, the... the, the, the... The Tatatan, the Matt and Kurt were talking about how difficult it was. And then uh, Pascal and actually Matthew too were just like, nah, piece of piss, mate. Mm. And Manu was like, no, this is a really difficult dish. And they were sort of like still sticking to it. I'm like, look, mate, if Manu is telling you it's difficult, then it's difficult. And maybe you're just making something else and just stoked with it in this like real Kiwi way. But just... Come on, sons. That's like, right. He was like, yeah, he's like, my mum taught me how to make this. I'm like probably at the age of two, you know, when he started his <laughs> culinary yeah. career. Um, they still got, te- I mean, they got tens for the entree. That's a that's a pretty early ten. That was very exciting. Um, and then the rest kind of was a bit middling, wasn't it? It was sevens and it was well, it was three sevens and and a six from um, Nada and Pops, which I think is interesting because they were the most full throated in terms of critiquing Pascal. For, for his choice of words, and then they gave the lowest score to uh, to Matt and Kurt, which and it didn't really seem warranted based on either their views or anyone else's that, that it would go down to a six. And um, and it's interesting that if you look at the judges' scores, now obviously that was helped by the ten, but the the so the judges' scores. The, the the contestant scores were two below what Nada and Pops got, but after the judges' scores, they were two above. So there was a four point swing there. So uh, yeah, it's it's. I think that the judges were impressed at aspects of it, but but saw that there were were issues to come. But um, yeah, Nada and Pops quite enjoyed the the fact that they were sort of on the one hand very vigorous <laughs> defenders of, but on the other hand, six. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is confusing. There's so many numbers to throw around. It's like, how does anyone keep track of anything? Um, they came away with 72. So we had a 72 and a 70. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, I th- I'm sure that by the end of this, we will absolutely net out a bang on 70 average for, for everyone total. <laughs> a ripper starts. We've got two more, two more next week. I forget how my kitchen rules work. So we have the instant restaurants and then they all go to like a HQ of some kind. Yeah, I mean, you forget how it works because they change it every season, but ah. I think that's how it's working. I think that maybe the bottom-ranked team is going to drop off. Um, but it could. I mean, we don't have a lot of time. Uh, you know, they, they, won't, they won't be running, running this thing in December. So it's, it's entirely possible that we'll go to, like, a grand final after the end of um, the, the instant restaurants. Well, we will be here for every step of the way, every bisque. Every tartan. Uh, I'm excited. It's it's got a. You're right. It does have a comfortable, cozy feeling to it, and you know that it's like it's still pretty low stakes. You know, no one's going to get really, really hurt. What you know, Pascal's collar might be tucked under his waistcoat for a while, and that's about as bad as stuff is going to get. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like, and it's like it's more stressful right now. So you you watch a show like this, and it sort of feels like it centers you somewhere, kind of really, kind of sweet and basic. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're at the end. Do you think we've done a podcast? I think we have. I think we've done two podcasts and this is the second one. Pretty amazing. And if you have made it here, thank you. Thank you kindly. (laughs) This was about a 70 out of 100. (laughs) 
I'm disagreeing. <laughs> no, <that's, laughs> I'm just going to go away and work on my theory and try and explain it better next week. Okay? I'm going to spend a week thinking about it. That can be like a new segment for us as you're just uh, trying to <laughs> convince me of this like really narrow theory and me still I mean like if you want to, to make $100,000. I know. No, but do you actually <laughs> But I don't understand because you're acting like everyone else can't cook. No, I'm not. I'm just saying if you were someone who you're like, oh, it's fade us, fade us out, I hear this. No, no. <laughs> no. Let's keep arguing. You wanted to make $100,000. Bring the music up while we keep arguing. You're like, I need $100,000. No. I don't have a GoFundMe. All I have are these is this like swag bag of reality shows. Which one can I work on but to I win think you're, I cash? think you're wrong because you're assuming that the competition doesn't have any ability <laughs> to kind of influence this. Like, they're cooking too. No, but I'm saying, what, gives you, what would you have the best shot at? Oh, I think God, it's the block. Hey. I still think it's the block. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>